Yeah. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Goats have home lives too. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Rich Eisen. Hello, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Oh, that's Susie Eisen's husband. (laughs) (laughs) The Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Dan Schwartzman. It is hour number two, the Rich Eisen Show on a Wednesday, holiday week. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. Always a good time. Sitting in the big boy chair. Rich will be back uh, next week. As we hit 2023, hope everybody's uh, excited to turn the calendar from 2022 to 2023. Big weekend coming up in college football. More bowl games because that's all we have is a ton of bowl games. Way too many bowl games, although I'm glad for the college kids. They get to have one more game, a lot of them, and uh, travel to some nice warm locale and enjoy themselves. Although, you know, not a lot of people show up and very few people probably watch some of these games as well. But Saturday, the college football semifinal playoff games. It is TCU, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. Some phenomenal matchups coming up. And the transfer portal continues to roll right along. Guys going in there, guys switching schools. It's become the free agent frenzy of college athletics. David Ubin, he is the National College Football Writer for The Athletic, joining us here. And David, happy holidays and also happy New Year's to you and your family. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's get before we get into the big matchups coming up Saturday. Uh, are there too many bowl games for your uh, for your liking these days? No, I mean I think uh, what last week the most watched cable program was a, a bowl game. Uh, I would argue there's too few bowl games. Let's play a bowl <laughs> game during the weekday uh, every day uh, up until Labor Day. Let's make it happen. Uh, you know I am uh, a college football lifer and. Love the sport. I watch just about as much of him as I can. So, uh, no, I would be on the uh, I would be on the two few bowl game side of the fence. So you want everybody to make a bowl game. game. You want everybody to let's play in a bowl game. Let's play four or five bowl games for each team, <laughs> even the two win teams. Let's stretch, stretch this out. Listen, if it's Tuesday and it's three p.m. in June. Who's saying no to having a bowl game on television? <laughs> I watched Miami of Ohio UAB, all right, the Bahama Bowl. Let's I watched it. that. Let's so <laughs> I am one of those insane people like you that'll watch a bowl game just because you're right. What else is there to watch a lot of times on TV, especially two o'clock in the afternoon? It's that or taking yep. care of my one year old, right? Let the nanny handle that. I'm watching college football. Now yeah. I want to get to this, uh, David. This this transfer portal to me is just wild and wacky, and frankly, it's the bizarro world of college football that we are in a thousand guys get in there only like 40 percent of them actually find new homes is this something that has to be somewhat more regulated or do you kind of like this open concept of guys just saying hey i didn't get to play last year i sat behind the guy i'm gonna go somewhere else now well it can't be regulated quite frankly because anytime that uh you know anyone in college football attempts to restrict player movement um you know that's going to be perceived as restricting player uh earning potential and you know with the Austin decision nobody in the NCAA is doing you know is going to do anything to change any of this so you know they're just going to play everything with kid gloves now the transfer portal every situation is different you know some guys certainly are leaving because you know, there's there's good offers out there, and they might be able to make some more money. Some guys might not be making the best decision for their future. There's no sort of, you know, one-size-fits-all approach. But what I do think is that you're going to see the guys who it didn't work out for, I think that you're going to see some guys learning some lessons and, and perhaps, um, you know, players in years to come applying those future lessons as they sort of figure out, 
hey, the grass isn't always greener, you know, on the other side of the fence. And so, but right now, when you have, you know, you can jump in the pool, you don't have to sit out a year. Everybody seems to want to test the market. And, and, you know, for some guys, it's worked out great. You can restart your career. You can make some more money. You can go to a program that's a better fit for you. You can get on the field. And some guys are, are sort of lying to themselves about, oh, well, my coach just hates me and I got to go somewhere else. And it's like, well, maybe your coach hates you because you uh, don't actually you know, work as hard as right. you need to and it's going to be the same story the next place you go. So, again, I, I think you know, the transfer portal, it's, it's something that has been sort of uh, a long time coming in college football, at least the free transfer you know, for players who aren't paid. You can call it a one-year, uh, whatever they used to call it, I don't know, the one-year having to sit out. I call it a non-compete clause for a job that <laughs> did not pay you, which seems incredibly unfair. Um, so you've know, you got to learn life lessons. For some guys, it could be the best thing that ever happened to them, leaving their program and going somewhere else. You know, you look at, obviously, Joe Burrow and Justin Fields and guys that have left programs, big programs, um, when they couldn't get on the field um, and, and, and have seen their fortunes um, absolutely change in an in our instant. Some guys go in there and they don't ever find a new home and end up having to go to a much lower level and get a worse education and all those things. And so I think as we have this tool, longer sport, guys will figure out better how to wield it. National College Football Writer for The Athletic, David Ubin, joining us here on The Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich on this Wednesday. I love it when the coaches that seemingly always speak negatively of the transfer portal actually use it to their advantage. I talk about guys yes. like Nick Saban, right? It's amazing to me how much talent he can pick from other schools. I mean, Gibbs, Williams, he's had all Americans come from other schools and stuck right into his you know, right into his lineup. Now, you know, when you think about Nick Saban, the fact that he can recruit high schools better than anybody, now you throw in the fact that he's obviously very good at uh, maneuvering this transfer portal. How much deadlier does it make a guy like this? Well, I think that's the thing is for all the changes in the sport, um, whether that's the expanded playoff or the transfer portal or um, all those things, the best programs, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, are going to learn how to make it work for them. And, and you know, places with advantages can keep finding advantages no matter how the rules change. And I think, you know, we're seeing that with Alabama a little bit. Um, you know, Georgia didn't take any transfers last year. They're already – you know, grabbing a couple receivers out of there. Um, you can fix, you know, the holes in your roster. And then, of course, like at a place like USC, we've seen that, hey, when you're a good coach that has a big draw or, you know, certainly Deion Sanders at Colorado, when you land somewhere, you can flip that roster in a hurry. Um, so, you know, the transfer portal, it just has changed everything in the sport from program building to obviously the player decisions to power programs, you know, being able to um, sustain themselves over time and, and using it as a tool to, hey, um, you know, for whatever reason we have a deficiency at, you know, at right guard or at running back or whatever, you know, we can grab one or two guys and we can fix whatever weakness we might have had the next season. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I think it's, people want to make it kind of a bigger deal than it is and that it did change a lot. But at the end of the day, it's sort of one more thing that, you know, can help differentiate, you know, the best coaches and best programs from those who, you know, don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, no question about it. You know, Deion Sanders is a guy that leaves an HBC school, of course, Jackson State. He goes to Colorado. Eddie George is a head coach right now at HBC school. Now we find that Ed Reed has been hired by Bethune-Cookman. Look, I like the trend. I think it highlights, uh, you know, a division of college football that, to me, since really, you know, Grambling and Eddie Robinson hasn't gotten the love that 
it deserves. And I think, you know, Deion Sanders, of course, brought more attention to it. But you kind of love it, Dave, to have these big-name guys, especially now in Ed Reed, that's going to go. He, you know, he coached with the Buffalo Bills. He's been an advisor at the University of Miami for the last three years. Now he gets the opportunity. To me, kind of open, it also opens up an opportunity for ex-players who have been coaching here and there in lesser roles to have that opportunity to now maybe showcase their abilities for bigger jobs but is it unhealthy, though, for these you know historic black colleges to become now the training ground of coaches with Dion leaving after just two seasons, for instance? I mean, I think it's tough because you know Dion Sanders is Dion Sanders. You know, he's sort of one of one in a lot of ways. And you know, as much as you see like the Ed Reeds and the Eddie George and all that stuff, and you know, even Hugh Jackson back there, you know, it's 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 nobody quite has the same draw that that Dion does, and then certainly. You know, some of the administrative stuff that he showed to be able to build that program and, and get it in the shape that it did. So, you know, it, it's tough because it's more opportunities. You want those opportunities to only come at HBCUs. And certainly there's a lot of black coaches who come up in more traditional ways and have been in coaching longer, and you hate to see guys like that passed up. But if guys like, you know, if Ed Reed can come in and be successful, then, you know, who cares what his background was? It's kind of the same thing with Deion Sanders. And I've talked to a lot of black coaches as well. That hey, most of them are rooting for Dion. Just about everybody I've talked to is say, hey, if he succeeds, whatever that looks like, it's just more doors and more uh, reason for athletic directors who might not look like me, might not act like me, to understand, hey, uh, these things can be done a different way. Um, and I think that's you know, at the, at the bottom line, that's that I think is good for the sport. Yeah, I think it's very healthy for the sport. It's good for the sport, and I'm interested to see what Ed Reed, who obviously had a Hall of Fame career uh, in the NFL and the greatest safeties in history, what he will do, bringing his reputation and you know I think his abilities to hopefully build guys into NFL players will certainly help. Coming up, of course, is the college football semifinal matchups Saturday, December 31st, number three TCU versus number two Michigan. Is Michigan's defense a little too tough for TCU? As good as that offense is with Dugan, is Michigan's defense going to be too tough for them? I think so. I mean, ultimately, we've seen over and over again these semifinals. Greatness really shines in these games. And the reason we've had blowouts is because there's not always been four teams that have been sort of uh, teams with a case of the best in the country. And I think you look at, uh, at how this season played out, Michigan and, <clears throat> and Georgia were clearly the best two teams in the country. Um, pretty much unimpeachable resumes um, have looked excellent almost every week. TCU and, and Ohio State have not had that same situation. So I think you're, you know, I, I, TCU is a good team, but they're, but Michigan has looked like the best, you know, a, a strong case is the best team in the country, um, you know, right there next to Georgia. So I think the defense is too strong. I'm not sure TCU's off, or defense is going to be able to hold up on the other end of things. It's, uh, you know, they'll put some points on the board, but I, I, I'm not sure either of these semifinals are going to be very close. Uh, you think Georgia's that much better than Ohio State? I do. Georgia, when you look at how tough, uh, like a explosive, uh, and just as tough. And I think that you know they have some really hard questions that they've got to answer um, about the level of toughness in their program. And if they can do that, good for them. But I, I haven't seen a lot of reason to believe that Ohio State's going to be able to do that. And when C.J. Stroud has played really good defenses with good interior, good DBs. You know, he's really struggled, and I'm not sure that I see a lot of reason to think that this game can be much different. 
you know, there's an interesting debate, and that is how good of a coach is Ryan Day? You know, the Ohio State recruits as good as anybody in this country. He's up there with Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. He brings an unbelievable talent, bunch of first-round picks. But for all the talent they've had, they've won a ton of regular season games. He's 45-5 and at Ohio State since taking over in 2018. But against big teams and in terms of playing in the playoffs, he hasn't had much success. How do you view Ryan Day at Ohio State right now? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't even think it's as much the playoff, you know, failures as much as you can't get bullied by Michigan two years yeah. in a row, especially not yeah. on your own field. And I'm not sure it's much more complicated than that. You know, if they get, uh, uh, you know, punked by Georgia in this game, I mean, you're going to be, for, for better or worse, for all that regular season success, you know, you're going to be entering the season on the hot seat. And I think, you know, that's the standard at Ohio State. And when you look at it, you know, I get that you can look at the gaudy numbers, but how many times has Ohio State been the better team, far more talented than who they're lining up against? It's, it's just about every week. And how many times has Ohio State beaten the team that maybe they weren't as good as? Um, and that hasn't happened a ton. So you want to get ahead of this and say, hey, we're going to fix this before you know, it gets to be a, a, a situation that you know, is tougher to come back from. So this is a huge situation. They don't have to necessarily beat Georgia. Um, it would obviously help him a lot <laughs> if they could. Um, but, um, uh, you know, that's going to be something that, you know, if they can go ahead and, and be competitive in this game, that's going to go a long ways to, to helping him reverse some of these um, narratives about himself and, and the program. But if they get punked, I mean, it's going to be a long off offseason um, and, and some very serious questions going into uh, 2023 about Ryan Day's future at the program. Doesn't it kind of feel like John Cooper part two? You know, a guy wins a ton of regular season games, but kind of, you know can't beat Michigan, and in the end, that does him in. And you're right, if you know you can't be losing two years in a row and getting blown out this year at home at the Horseshoe, you know, I don't care if you win, you know, ninety percent of your games. If you can't win that game against Michigan, and you don't have, you know, you're not winning national championships at some point in Columbus, Ohio. Your tenure is going to end. It did for Cooper. Yeah, you hear that comparison every now and then. I think the most interesting thing would be. You know, what happens if you beat Georgia and then you turn the page and here comes Michigan again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, then you get, and then you get to the national championship and the same thing happens. You know, that <laughs> – we saw UNC and Duke in the Final Four. I, I mean, I'm fascinated to see, you know, that that's, that's a really entertaining scenario. But, um, you know, they got to get past Georgia first. And, again, like I said, maybe they surprise us. Maybe things are, are different. Maybe this team is tougher than it looks. But I think we've seen them all season when they've really gotten punched in the mouth and dealt with teams that they could hang with them athletically and win the battle in the line of scrimmage. They have not looked impressive. So if Ohio State wins this game or even is competitive in this game, they're going to have to look like a much better team than the one that we've seen sort of look a little shaky from time to time this season. David, what a scenario. They beat Georgia, they get to the national championship game, and they lose again to Michigan. It will be a failure of a season. I, have a, I went to college at Ohio University. I have a lot of friends who are Buckeye fans, and they will tell me that will not be a successful season, losing not once yep. but twice to Michigan. I kind of want to see that scenario play out just because I kind of want to see the reaction. You're right. It's like the car crash on the highway. You slow down and you see what happened because of the fact it's so incredible. David Ubin, National College Football Writer for The Athletic. David, appreciate the time. Happy New Year. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome stuff there. <laughs> what a scenario that would be. That would be something. You somehow beat Georgia, you face Michigan in the national championship game, and you lose again to the, Wolver- uh, to the Wolverines, and they are national champs. 
Ryan Day goes from winning, you know, one game away from winning a national championship to potentially being on a hot seat because he just can't beat the Wolverines. Unbelievable. All right, this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is a number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your company. Competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 32,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash richradio. Head to netsuite.com slash Rich Radio for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash Rich Radio. One more time. NetSuite.com slash Rich Radio. College football talk. What a scenario. Ryan Day, he wins a ton of games, but he doesn't seem to win the big ones. Should he be on a hot seat if it all ends coming up Saturday against Georgia in the National College Football Semifinal? Dan Schwartzman, Hour 2 on a Wednesday, the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Twenty-one past the hour, hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich on this Wednesday. College football playoffs on Saturday. You know Ryan Day dominates a regular season, 
as he's done at Ohio State. The guy has never lost more than two games in a year. 2018, he takes over. He goes 3-0. 2019, he's 13-1. 2020, of course, the shortened season due to COVID, he's 7-1. 2021, 11-2. This year, 11-1. He's 31-2 in conference play. The two losses, both to Michigan. He's finished in the top uh, five of the college football polls. This will be the third year out of four that he does so. And the worst was he finished sixth in the AP poll last year with his two losses. And he seems to be a really good guy. People seem to like him. He is, um, you know, a guy that is a, you know, a respected, respected coach. He's a heck of a recruiter as well. But the problem is, you know, winning regular season games is all fine and dandy, and it's great for your your resume. But when you're in a place like Ohio State, you're expected to win more than just regular season games and beat up on big, you know, on bad Big Ten teams. And he hasn't gotten the job done there. College football playoff record, you know, is not great. They won the Rose Bowl last year. Whoop de doo! It wasn't a college football playoff game. 2020, they lose in the college football uh, national championship game. 2019, they lose in the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, he plays, obviously, in uh, New Year's Six Bowls all the time, or college football playoff bowls. Yeah, that's great. But you're Ohio State, and the level of talent on Ohio State is, frankly, mind-boggling, right? You look at that team. Just look at that team. And you can't tell me that that team isn't loaded with NFL players. It is. Absolutely is. C.J. Stroud, considered a top five pick when he decides to come out. All right, the running back position, they have uh, at least two players that are probably going to be NFL draft picks between Williams and Henderson. At wide receiver, it's just unbelievable riches Marvin Harrison Jr. is an incredible stud he's going to be a first round pick Emeka Egbuka is going to be a first round pick he's just a sophomore he was a top you know he's a top recruit Julian Fleming is a guy that also was a high recruit who probably next year uh, puts up numbers Jackson Smith uh, uh, and Jigba is also a guy that uh, you know, was, you know, highly thought of as well. Battled injuries this year after having a tremendous season last year with 95 catches, 1,600 yards. He'll be a first-round pick as well when he decides to come out. Maybe he doesn't this year due to, of course, you know, having not played much. But if he goes, comes back next year, who knows? So, obviously, a ton of talent. Offensive linemen always going in the top couple of rounds as well. There's so many good players there. He should be winning more games. And I mean, I mean the big games. But he's just not doing it consistently. And I think that's the incredible thing is, yes, if in fact, as crazy as this sounds, if in fact they lose to Georgia on Saturday, as many believe they will, and there's yet another season where, sure, they're going to finish in the top five in the college football polls, they don't win the big game at some point, He's going to start feeling that seat warm up. Because at a place like Ohio State, it's national championships or bust. And by the way, it's at least winning over Michigan or bust. 
if you're not going to win national championships, you have to consistently beat Michigan. Like, the crazy part about that rivalry, and I lived in the state of Ohio for five years, you know, in college. If you don't win a national title, like, say Ohio State has a bad season. Say they go 7-4. and four, But if they beat Michigan in those seven wins, amazingly speaking, Buckeye fans, for the most part, are fairly happy with the year. Because you have the bragging rights over your next-door neighbors. It's a great rivalry. It is. Michigan-Ohio State is a great... It's Texas-Oklahoma, Alabama-Auburn. USC-Notre Dame. USC-Notre Dame final. I'll give you that, Art. Yeah, that's another good one. Um, You know... in terms of the best rivalries in college football, those are the those are the games. I love Army Navy, of course. You know Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State. Go Navy, go Navy. All right, that's right. You were you are a Marine. You like how I said that? Right? I didn't say you were a Marine. I said you are a Marine. always a Marine. Exactly right. Once a Marine, always a Marine. No such thing as a ex Marine. Nope. Nope. That's interesting. Why is that? Like because uh, you know, like uh, no one says you're still in the army, right? They say. No, he was in the Army. So why is the Marines different, Art? Is there an explanation for this? Because we're better than the Army? Well, I'm sure that's what it is. But still, is there an actual explanation for this besides that? Uh, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's... <laughs> is there truly a rivalry there? Oh, yeah. Marines oh, yeah. and Army? Uh, really? Marines, Marines don't like any of the uh, other services. So if you end up in a bar, a bunch of Marines, a bunch of, uh, you know, Army guys. call them dog faces. Could be trouble. Army are dog faces. Really? Navy are squids. Really? How about Air Force? Uh, Entitled? Yeah, entitled. (laughs) But but you have to catch a ride with them, though. That's the thing, though, right? I know. I know. I flew out through uh, to Desert Storm on an Air Force transport, yes. So you have to be nice to them to a point. Not really. Well, the Marines don't have transport planes. I know. I know. Right? They have the only a, thing we don't have. Yeah, you have attack helicopters and you have uh, you know you know close air support. Yeah, but that's about it. We needed to get there fast so we couldn't take the navy ships because we needed. So to you get said, "Sigh, all right, we'll take a ride from. We'll, we'll take, take this ride, ride from the air force. Yeah, absolutely. All right." So and about- yeah, the I I rode on a C five Galaxy and the seats are pointed backwards, so uh, screwed up the air force. Are you serious? Yeah, so you don't even know if you're coming or going. I would get so airsick. Oh man! Oh, I mean, I would seriously get airsick having to face. But I, I like I, I cannot sit backwards like on a bus or anything like that. If I had to sit backwards on an airplane for like thirteen oh. hours, yeah, it was. Yeah, we had a couple layovers, but it was a twenty-two hour trip to oh, Dahran, Saudi Arabia. Oh my goodness, that is a long trip. Yeah, but you caught a ride with the Air Force, so they at least got you there safely. So you have to respect them a bit, I guess, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> what a rivalry. So we'll throw that rivalry up there as well, right? That that rivalry is up there with uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, USC, Notre Dame, and uh, Auburn, Alabama, and all that. So we'll we'll go with that. We'll stick to that story then. Well, yeah, the, t- the Navy coach got fired because he couldn't beat Army. Yeah, I think he was the highest paid federal employee for a long time. I think he was the Even highest higher paid. higher than the president, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. The president makes $440,000 a year, I believe, is what the president makes. And Ken, I can't pronounce his name, and I'm not even going to try to butcher it. He was making, I think, like uh, a few million dollars at least. Really? Wow. Yeah, so he was actually the highest paid federal employee, I believe. 
Couldn't beat Army. And you know what? If you can't beat Army, you know what happens? You get fired. You don't have a job. Yeah, you don't have a job. And by the way, though, I, didn't they fire? I think they fired him in the locker room right after the game. <laughs> yes, they did. I mean, come on. Let's have a little bit more respect for the guy who put Navy on the map for a while, right? I mean, I, I know Johnson did a nice job there before he left for what was it? I think uh, Georgia Tech. But, like, have some respect for the guy. He, he did a nice job overall. I know the last couple of years have been a little rougher, but come on. Yeah. The guy won yeah. a bunch of games in Navy. Can you at least wait till you get back to Annapolis before you fire him? No. Come on. That's terrible. Come on, Art. I also think that's the only game in America, right, where the entire student bodies of both teams are in attendance. Yeah, it seems I like I saw it. that yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Midshipmen. Yeah. There, I think everybody goes. I think everybody goes uh, in terms of midshipmen. And I believe everybody goes in terms Army of cadets, uh, the Naval Academy. Cadets, yeah, Army cadets. cadets. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool, by the way, that everybody goes. And, like, everybody's there to kind of watch and uh, and cheer on their mates. That's yeah, really I, cool. I mean, every school should should be that way. I mean, you know you're a lot, you have a lot of people who go to the school that aren't sports fans. But, I mean, you should – it's it's an event. It's a one-time – you know, even if you only go once, it's a once-in-a-lifetime event to be at a – Football game, you know? But then again, how many kids are in the uh, – what's the total undergraduate enrollment? I'm reading it's about 4,600. That's a lot, though. You're right. To, to get – yeah, to get that many kids to come, you know, travel down to, um, you know, to wherever the game's going to be, Baltimore or Philly or Washington, whatever it is, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, very. That is, yeah, 4,294 in terms of cadets at West Point. I'm sure Annapolis isn't that far off. Wow, that's interesting. That is really interesting how it is. Um, but that's a great rivalry, too. Army-Navy is a great one, and uh, it's a tradition that continues to live on. So, you know, but that's the whole point is if you have a tough season, you can turn things around in the mind of people by beating your biggest rival. And, and Ryan Day has not done if that. He would have beat Army. I mean, it was yeah. that close. You're right. If he had beaten Army, he probably gets one more opportunity. But when you can't beat your hated rival... You know, it makes the decision a little bit more easier. And that's exactly what we saw. And that's exactly what's happening with Ryan Day. Ryan Day may not lose 10 games in... Listen, this is a guy that may not lose double-digit games in 10 years, okay? It's a possibility. But if all your losses are to Michigan, then you're not going to keep your job. And I mentioned the name John Cooper. People forget John Cooper was a very successful... Uh, you know, head coach at Ohio State. And he just could not, though, beat Michigan. And when he couldn't beat Michigan, what ended up happening was he obviously was, uh, wasn't was going to last. So John Cooper was at Ohio State from, what, 1988 to 2000. And his overall record was 111-43-4. That's pretty good, you know? And by the way, he had a stretch in the middle there where he, you know, barely lost games. Finished twi- finished second in the country twice. I mean, overall, a very successful tenure at Ohio State. But if you're not going to beat Michigan, sorry. You're not going to win. And you're not going to keep your job. That's exactly how it is. And by the way, I don't really have a problem with that. To be honest with you, I don't have a serious problem with that. And I, and I say that because... You know, part of being the head coach at a big-time college football program, and most college football programs do have some sort of a rivalry, is to continue to embarrass the rival. And, you know, Urban Meyer embarrassed Jim Harbaugh for years. 
You know, Michigan didn't win that game for years before they've won the last couple. But, Art, you brought up a good point during the break, and, and that is if Jim Harbaugh wins a national championship at Michigan this year, does he bolt for the NFL? If I were the Lions, I would do everything to get him. But that's the whole point is, you know, there will be opportunities. Every time there is the coaching cycle, there always seems to be an opportunity available for uh, Jim Harbaugh. And he has turned it down because, look, I mean, the fact is, you know, Michigan is his alma mater. It's his dream job, apparently. And he has lasted there longer than people thought. I mean, for a long time, remember, he wasn't the most successful head coach at Michigan. It was, you know, people thought he was on a hot seat and that maybe he should be let go. But now that he's winning games and now that he is obviously beating Ohio State, people are singing a whole different tune. So my point is, if you win the national championship, is it time for him to leave? Does it make sense for Jim Harbaugh to walk away on top? Or do you kind of stay and hope that you've built yourself somewhat of an empire? You know, he's I guess that's the other option. Prove. Got nothing else to prove. And okay, but in the NFL, okay, but, but, but how about success? But how about like you know longevity of success? Maybe that's what you want to prove. His brother's in the NFL, so I think he wants to get back at his brother. Or maybe he wants to show people, you know, after you know he was successful at, uh, at you know he was obviously a successful coach um, at you know San Francisco. It took him to Super Bowl, right? Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, so maybe that's where people, you know, maybe that's what he's thinking. Okay, you know, I won. With the 49ers, I kind of got a raw deal there. Maybe it's time for me to give it another shot. Okay, maybe that's what it is. And again, he will have the opportunities to attempt it. No question. Somebody, If, if Jim Harbaugh says, I am ready to come back and be a head coach in the NFL, teams will line up to bring him in. Especially if he's coming off winning a national championship, there's no question he will have that opportunity. But if you're Jim Harbaugh, do you want to take that opportunity? And I, and I say it because of this. You win the national championship. You're beating Ohio State. He's got incredible job security right now. One thing we know about Jim Harbaugh is he does wear out his welcome, right? This is a guy that seemingly does wear out his welcome fairly quickly. As successful as he was with the 49ers, it didn't end well there, right? It didn't end well. So my point is... He's got to pick the right spot, though. Yeah, but but the players tire of him. The players at some point will get sick of him. or Indy. Yeah, but the players are going to get sick of him. That's the whole point is at some point there will be some disconnect between him and the players. And that's going to lead to him leaving or being let go or fired regardless of the success. Because he is kind of a strange guy, right? He's a curmudgeon. Uh, he doesn't seem to be the friendliest guy. I've, I've you know seen him a couple of times, and I wouldn't say he's the friendliest guy. And I just think that you know he rubs people wrong. So he's got a shelf life of four or five years with an NFL job before he just kind of... You know, he, he gets himself out of that situation because he's just not a guy that people want to work with, I guess. But if you're at Michigan and he's now resonating with these college kids, right? He, they may not like him per se, but if he's winning games and getting them to the NFL, then who cares? Nick Saban doesn't seem to be the coolest dude in the world, right? Bill Belichick's not, but if there's success, guys want to play for you because either in college, they prepare you well enough to get to the next level and all these guys want to play in the NFL. Or in the NFL... You may not like the guy, but if he's winning championships, hey, you get the Super Bowl rings, why not? That's your legacy. So my whole point is, for Jim Harbaugh, he is in the perfect position here. Why leave college? He's making $10 bucks a year. He's not going to make much more in uh, in the NFL. 
He's got more job security now than he's going to ever have in the NFL. He's got a good thing going there at Michigan. He loves it there. Why not just stay and see if you can win multiple championships? Why stop at one? If I'm the Lions, I I back up the Brinks truck for him. Oh, yeah, listen. Teams will back up the Brinks truck for him. I I do believe that would happen. I I do believe teams will call. They will make the pilgrimage to Ann Arbor to sit down with him. I think he will at least express interest and listen, as he should. And maybe somebody does offer him a ridiculous amount of money to leave Michigan and go coach them. But it's got to be the right situation. So what is the right situation, okay? He, let's take a look at this real quick, okay? Who's going to be available? Who's who's looking for a head coach? I don't think anybody in the AFC East is looking for a head coach. I know there's, like, whispers about Robert Sala and the Jets. I don't believe that's the case. I think oh, the no. Jets going to... No. But if they do, it's Sean Payton, okay? If they don't think Sala can figure out the quarterback position, then they'll, they'll go after Sean Payton, all right? It's not going to be Jim Harbaugh, I don't think. In the AFC North... I mean, Cleveland, you know, Tomlin's not going anywhere with Pittsburgh unless he decides to leave on his own, regardless of them somewhat struggling. But, you know, Cleveland could be a place. All right? I mean, the Cleveland Browns have underachieved. Deshaun Watson's been terrible since coming back. So you kind of wonder, is that uh, is that potentially going to be a position that opens up? Because... There is that belief that the Browns uh, could win some games. Kevin Stefanski's not winning the games right now. Maybe they look to make that change. AFC South. Indy. I doubt Jeff Jeff Saturday should not be able to keep that job. Houston's going to be open. Lovey Smith's not going to stay there. But do you want to coach Houston if you're Jim Harbaugh? No. No. no, You You want to coach Indy? No. No. You know, I don't think Vrabel's getting fired, although they've had a tough season. They're in the midst of a five-game losing streak. I don't think Vrabel's getting let go of Tennessee. AFC West. Denver's looking for a head coach, and no, Russell Wilson's there. But, 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 but wait a minute. But, but you know what, though? They're, they have a good defense, right? Jim Harbaugh's got a big ego. Maybe he thinks he can help out Russell Wilson. If he does, it's a good job, right? If you think Russell Wilson is is salvageable, why not? Right? It's not terrible. Yeah. That could yeah. be an opportunity. Just throwing it out there, right? I don't think Josh McDaniels is going anywhere at the Raiders, although maybe he should. He should. But uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. NFC East, no one's getting fired. NFC North, the Bears aren't making a change again. Packers aren't making a change. I Look, I, I know you mentioned the Lions, but, I mean, as crazy as this sounds, the Lions are in the playoff hunt. Dan Campbell's not getting fired. He's not a good coach, though. But he's not getting fired. Players seem to like playing for him. He's not getting fired. Here's a good one. NFC South. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, Todd Bowles seems like the nicest guy, and he's a heck of a defensive mind. But how many more opportunities do you give Todd Bowles to show he's not a head coach? Didn't do a good job with the Jets. Hasn't done a good job with Tampa Bay this year. Uh, if, If Tom Brady is coming back for another year, does Jim Harbaugh say, hey, you know what? I can probably win a Super Bowl next year. Is Tampa Bay a good opportunity? I don't think they are, by the way, because if you're relying on a 46-year-old quarterback, no. it's probably not, in terms of long-term, a good job. The Saints aren't looking for a new coach. I don't think the Falcons are in the market yet for a new coach. Uh, with Smith there, NFC West, uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to be gone, I would think. Yeah. Kyler Murray's yeah. not staying healthy, right? L.A. Rams, by the way, don't yes. forget, a lot of people say Sean McVay is going to leave and yeah. head to the broadcast booth. But that's not a great situation. They, you know, they have no draft picks. 
and they're relying on a quarterback who potentially, in terms of you know career injuries, is never going to be the same. So I don't think the Rams is actually a good job. You're out there in L.A. Do people think that's a good job? Probably not. Uh, there was talk about Sean, our, uh, Sean Payton taking it. I don't see Payton wanting that job. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it makes no sense for him to take that job. That is not a good job. Because he wants not to live good. in L.A. That's that's what the word is. He wants okay. to live in L.A. All right, the Chargers are a better job. <laughs> but I don't think Brandon Staley's getting fired. Were they nine and six? I yeah, they're think, in the playoffs. Uh, they're in the playoffs. I don't think he's getting fired. So unless he, you know, listen, they can give him a six-year deal for a lot of money with job security. Then maybe Sean Payton says, "All right, I'll put up with the potential of a quarterback search." But uh, a lot of it, it's pretty interesting. It really is pretty interesting when you think about it and you break it down. All right, uh, you know, college football season, bowl games rolling along, the NBA, NFL, of course, heading into week 16 of the season. Mike Daniel of the Dolphins talking about two attack of Ilo. You don't want to miss that because obviously that's a big issue in terms of his health. That's coming up next. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. It's the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL Draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So Sleep Number helps me. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. It is the Rich Eisen Show on a Wednesday. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. Holiday week. Hope you're getting some good R&R this weekend. Or Honestly, by the way, the flight delays are unbelievable. Have you been reading up on that? What is going on with Southwest? Weren't they considered like the best airline for a long time? Like, uh, yep. They're the one making money always. They're the one always with getting good customer satisfaction reviews and things like that. My goodness. They have like thousands and thousands of of flights that have been canceled. And I go on Twitter, and I've been reading the horror stories, like you can't get through on their customer service line. It's been ringing busy for hours upon hours. You direct message, nothing. There's no response from them. And I believe the government's now going to be looking into them because this is outrageous. Like Outrageous. But I do have a story about that. Oh, I want to hear it. Hustler what is it? Club in Las Vegas. Oh, man. If yeah. you show them a canceled ticket, oh, uh-huh. you get free entry and a free drink. Really? Yeah. 
At least the, the hustler. I saw the hustler club. And I, the story said strip, um, gentlemen's clubs. Plural. Really? That's yeah. ingenious, oh, by yeah. the way. Oh, yeah. Honestly speaking, that no, that, that's legitimately Come to Vegas, ingenious. You get free, uh, free admission and a free drink. Yeah, why not? I mean, that, that's a ticket. great marketing. That is a great marketing tool with them. I, I have to give them a ton of credit for that. That is, that is really brilliant. I mean, I got to come up with a canceled ticket. <laughs> you get one free. You get one free drink. I, I saw it. one free drink and free admission. Hopefully that comes with a lap dance too. That would be. Great. I would hope it comes with something, right? I mean, first of all, how much could it? Well, I guess drinks are actually. Uh, what is admission to a place like that? I've never uh, it's been about there. Twenty-five, probably. Oh, that's fairly expensive. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's it's not Vegas. that cheap. It's I Vegas. Say. Yeah, it's Vegas. That's true. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Wow. But I, I listen. You know, people are trying to get home, and the worst to me is people that have planned vacations. They have hotel reservations. They have. You know, hotel, you know, restaurant reservations, maybe it's a special occasion, people want to get engaged, whatever it might be, and they go to these, you know, they go to the the airport to check in. Next thing you know, they're finding out their flights are canceled. Sometimes they don't even know. They've gotten no warning that the flight is canceled until they get up to the to the uh you know to to pick up their boarding pass and then it's you know, they're told right then and there that it's been canceled. Like, come on, you can't be doing that. You got to have a little bit more sense there, and 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 you know, and look, I wouldn't yell at the people at the gate. It's not their fault, you know. They're they're not the reason why your flight's canceled, but they are getting hammered right now, absolutely hammered. And I do feel you know bad for people that have planned vacations. And by the way, I've heard other stories of literally this is crazy art where it's been a case where they have had you know no warning. And all they've gotten was, we can put you on a flight a week from now. Wow. Like, I've read that happen on uh, What are you going to do for the whole week? Exactly. Like, what are you going to do for that week? You know, your kids have school. You have a job that you have to get back to. Like, what do you mean you're going to get me on a flight in a week? That's not acceptable. No one's going to accept that. This is going to be multiple lawsuits. This is going to be like class action lawsuit coming up, guaranteed, and rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. You can't be saying, hey, sorry about this. We can get you on a flight, but it's going to be a week from now. Uh Uh-uh. I can rent a car and drive across country faster than that. Yeah, depending on where you are. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I can go L.A. to New York in five days, right? I mean, you got to drive a ton. You'll be on the road 10 hours a day, but still, you can literally get there faster then waiting for that flight in a week. It sounds like you've done it. I've never done it. And I've honestly, honestly, I've never actually had a situation where I had a flight fully canceled. I've obviously had a flight delayed. Uh, I had a flight that was originally canceled. I was able to rebook another flight, and then the original flight opened back up, and I was able to rebook back, back onto that. You're lucky. And actually, that was a bad case because I was in Europe. I was in Spain. And I was flying, I think it was Norwegian, which does not fly international anymore. And they were great. I liked them. Cheap, you know, good new airplanes. And I was with a couple of buddies in Barcelona, a couple that I'm good friends with. And they're like, hey, you know, it's your, it's going to be your last day before flying out tomorrow. Let's go to, uh, like, the mountains, like a cool area, right? And then I get this thing saying, hey, your flight's been canceled. So I'm, you know, calling customer service. Scrambling. I'm on hold for a couple hours, you know, things like that. And uh, we end up, I say, listen, I don't think we can go to the mountains today because, you know, I got to be on the phone and I got to figure this out. I got to get back to New York at some point. 
And, um, you know, I, we still had a great day that, hey, listen, you, you can't have a bad day in Barcelona, Spain. But in the end, they end up uh, booking me on another flight. And then I see that the old flight opens again. So I had to rebook onto that. But it worked out. I didn't have to wait a week. And I was able to get back when I originally wanted to. It was just an inconvenience, I guess, is the best way to put it. But, man, I do feel sorry for for you out there if you are stranded and, uh, you know. I, and, by the way, I don't understand. Like, Art, I, I've been doing, you know, reading on this. I've been trying to figure it out. Is there a reason for this? Is it a lack of pilots? Yeah, I, I was I was filling in on the Mark Levine show the other night. Right. I was screening. And uh, there had one one caller called up and said, there's there's not enough pilots. You know, we're not in a wartime situation, so there's there's not enough pilots out there to to fill these flights. So this is a pilot pilot shortage for Southwest. That's what she thinks. Yeah, her her analysis, the caller's analysis. Works. Okay, but if that's the case, how many pilots are they short right now? It's got to be a a massive amount. That's a good question. Yeah, to absolutely. be canceling they, thousands, they thousands of, flights. of flights. Yeah, absolutely. You know, other airlines I've seen, you know, a couple canceled, a few hundred here and there, right? It was a few hundred. It was, um, you know, things like that. But, man, unbelievable. Incredible. Good luck to people out there to try to figure things out. All right, mate?